This organization has over 760,000 members with over 8,800 chapters. It is among the largest youth organizations and the largest career and technical student organization in the United States. Today, we speak with the advocacy and literacy officer of the National FFA organization, known to many as the Future Farmers of America. Participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard. Welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast, and I hope you're enjoying enjoying season four. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This podcast is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts for their organizations, be they corporations, associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. Now, let's get started. On today's show, we speak with Celia Glowacki, the Advocacy and Literacy and Ag-Based Experiences Manager at the National FFA Organization. Now, prior to joining National FFA, Celia was the State Program Leader for Agriculture Education at the Indiana Department of Education. She is a native of Oklahoma and a graduate of Cornell with a BS in communications. She is actively involved in the Miss Agriculture USA program, a nonprofit that celebrates and promotes agriculture, where she is currently the national elite Miss Agriculture USA. Celia is passionate about mentoring Native American and indigenous youth as a member of the Cherokee tribe. And to add to all of this, she is an Emmy winner from her time at ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to welcome Celia to today's show. Hello and welcome. Thanks. That's a, that's a, a, a lot of randomness in my bio. So thank you for having me. It's everywhere. And that's just part of who I am. A jack of all trades and master of that, I think. Well, I, I don't know that I would put it that way. Uh, we actually had a, a, a brief conversation before going on the air here today, talking about, uh, you know, our, our native heritages, uh, mine not as close as yours, but, uh, but, but a privilege to have both. We've got a, just a ton of ground to try to cover here. And I have long admired the work of FAA as I see it from my agriculture, well, the advocacy work that I do. Uh, with agriculture organizations around the country. So first of all, congratulations on all you folks do for the students of the agriculture industry. Thank you. It's, it's really a privilege to work for the organization that is the largest school-based um, career and technical student organization and the largest school-based agriculture uh, leadership organization. 
Uh, we range from Maine to Hawaii and Washington to Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and, and everywhere in between, rural, suburban, and urban. And our students really are unique from everything they do, whether it's their work-based learning experiences, their service learning in their communities, uh, and just their, their opportunities to go out and be young leaders in the industry, whether that's talking with somebody on the Hill, uh, which we just finished with National Ag Day, and I know we'll get to a little bit more later, or if it's uh, participating in the agri-science fair or even doing a speech at a local speech contest. Well, you know, let's go kind of right there because uh, we were we were talking about the fact that we're recording this conversation on National Ag Week during National Ag Week, and today is Advocacy Day. So what activities do you have uh, planned for Advocacy Day? So we actually have, um, kind of give you a little history on National Ag Day. Uh, the National Association um, or the National Ag North American Marketing Association for Agriculture or NAMA and the American Council for Ag created National Ag Day several years ago. And we knew we needed a student component to it. It wasn't just about your, um, your business and industry folks touting that it's National Ag Day, but we really needed to make an impact with our student leaders, whether that was at a local state or national level. So the original iteration of National Ag Day was bringing 100 students from FFA, uh, the American Future for Agriculture, 4-H, and Manners, which is the Minorities in Natural Resources and Agriculture group together in D.C., and back when we could, we would go on the Hill, we would talk to elected officials and we would share ideas. And one of the ideas that actually came out of one of our National Ag Days was to have a youth coordinator position within the USDA. Uh, and that came about through advocacy opportunities during the 2018 Farm Bill cycle. So fast forward through COVID, we took a different approach this year. We provided online training for our students. And then we took 18 students to the Hill uh, on Tuesday to meet with elected officials. And we had the opportunity to participate in this really cool activity that was called the Celebration of Ag. It was on the mall. And there were gigantic tractors and combines and drone technology from everybody from Microsoft to John Deere to Case to uh, automated milkers from Deval were, were, were on the mall. And it was an opportunity to advocate for the industry with people who probably have never seen most of those, those implements. Uh, we actually had a young lady from Virginia who brought her agri-science fair talking about grass-fed and grape-fed beef. She was on the mall. She went over to hear Secretary Vilsack, the uh, Secretary of Agriculture, speak, and he actually called her up on stage and referenced how what they're doing is to benefit the youth of our industry and how our youth of agriculture is so important. And she said, she's, I, she sent me a text last night. She's like, my head is still in the clouds. I don't even know what to think. Um, that so will change that young lady's life. Forever. Her parents keep like sending me messages saying, thank you. We're indebted to you. And I'm like, no, no, no. I owe you. You drove her down from Virginia. <laughs> so it's funny. But she's so excited. Um, she even got the medallions that the secretaries carry with them. And so he gave her one. So, you know, just like this extra special moment for her and all she thought she was going to get to talk about her agri-science fair project so with all of that going on kind of in that stage nationally or federally we took a step back and wanted to see how our chapters could could implement some activities at their level so today's advocacy day and it's really going out and talking with your communities 
um, what's hosting a legislative pancake breakfast, or if it's going on a talk show to talk about what is important to your chapter um, and what's important in your communities. So it's, it's really exciting to see. We had a literacy day yesterday where we asked students to go talk about agricultural literacy to elementary school students. So that could just be as simple as reading a, a farm-based um, children's book to an elementary school class. On Tuesday, they advocated within their local government and Monday, they did some community service activities. So we really are trying to set them up for success. Well, I was gonna ask you about your national program that you have uh, called the Agriculture Literacy and Advocacy Program. And you just gave an example of some of that. Uh, and, and people may read into that wrong if they're not familiar with what you're trying to do with the literacy. I mean, you're trying to help educate non-farm people in what farming's all about, where food comes from, what they do, how they do it, correct? Correct. I mean, even if you think of something, uh, I, I see a meme that circulates from time to time that I think it's 42% of Americans believe that chocolate milk comes from chocolate cow or brown cows. <laughs> so how can we start at an early age providing consumers with really good information on, on what's out there. Um, so, so it was kind of fun. It's kind of interesting uh, and entertaining to see our elementary school, elementary school students go to a petting zoo during National FFA Week that an FFA chapter hosts where they can see a goat, a sheep, a pig, a horse, a donkey, you know, learn, learn the difference between our farm animals. Um, to, to have the opportunity to read a um, correctly done. So, you know, a factual agriculture book that's aimed at children's, which the uh, American Farm Bureau Foundation has a lovely literacy wing and they pick a book of the year. And within that book, it, it's very, it's factual agriculture. Um, so to introduce students to this opportunity, uh, one of my favorite programs that's going along right now, um, it's, this is uh, the Indiana State Fair has a, there's a pig in my classroom and they do a virtual tour of Fair Oaks Farms, which Fair Oaks Farms, which is just north of Indianapolis here, uh, and do a virtual tour with all the elementary, a lot of the elementary schools in the state, and now it's even grown to a national program involving some of our FFA chapters. So they're getting this opportunity to see what um, pork production looks like and how they get to see these little baby pigs and get to learn about what it, what it takes. So providing an opportunity for people who are I think at this point we're four generations removed from the farm for the majority of our of the population of the U.S. So being able to provide them with that information is incredibly important. Helping, you know, yeah. And, and as that. I hear you, and as and as I hear you talking about all this, it makes me think that a lot of people think of the term advocacy and they think of it as simply government affairs, going up, doing your thing. And yet advocacy is much more than that. And I think by combining your literacy and your advocacy program together there uh, helps really demonstrate that advocacy is more than just the stakeholder group of elected officials, that there are many other stakeholder groups. I am so glad you brought that up because that's actually the torch I like to carry around the office. You know, we have government um, government policy initiatives that's advocacy-based, 
but we have to advocate for this industry as a whole. Um, I say that our national and state officers are like this perfect opportunity to advocate for agriculture, advocate for FFA, and advocate for agriculture education. Because with them advocating for agricultural education, then it kind of opens up the whole world for FFA and ag agriculture in general. So it's a lot of, it's, it's more than just going and speaking at the Capitol building. It's more in going and shaking that local politician's hand. It is really sharing the good news of the industry and trying to get into the depths of the communities that we're in. And I know that this goes off on a field by itself right now with what I'm gonna say, but I, I think in following the events of the day in Eastern Europe and with Ukraine, and they're talking about energy all the time and everything else. Every once in a while, they will talk about the fact that Ukraine and their wheat absolutely supplies Europe and Africa with the wheat that they're needed. And that in itself is going to be an economic issue that's going to be reflective in wheat and other commodities mm -hmm. as it goes, as time goes on with this. We actually, last week, one of the virtual um, trainings for National Ag Day for those selected students, Chandler Gould, the um, CEO of the National Wheat Growers Association, came on, and he was talking about it. And yeah, exactly. When two of your top wheat producers in the world are having this war, the, the economic impact it's going to have on everything from a flour to cattle prices to prices in, in, in the local um supermarket has has really and we're starting to see those now so um hopefully we can figure something out and i know there's going to be a lot of corn producers that are going to be producing wheat in the u.s come the fall but uh or come the summer but i i definitely think we'll see some some interesting trends but chandler had some really amazing statistics that just kind of blew my mind i hadn't even thought about it yeah yeah no it it, it caught me uh, uh, quickly because uh, my wife's family had a, a a wheat farm in Montana. And so, you know, you, you pick up on these things really, your ear has a different tune and tone to it at that point in time. So you've talked, yeah, you've talked about some ways of advocating uh, and, and doing that. Uh, are there other ways that you, you put that together with FFA? So we have a handful of programs within the organization, um, whether it's our national chapter application, which allows chapters to put together activities um, that they execute within their communities. Uh, and half of them are somehow literacy-based or um, advocacy-based or working with local stakeholders. So they have the opportunity to share messages. And if they submit a national chapter application, they're rewarded. Uh, they receive star gold stars and, and they become a one, two, three star and even have the chance to compete um, for our model of excellence programs at a national level. So even just like going and reading it to an elementary school or creating an elf on the shelf that's ag-based is liter a literacy opportunity for our chapters. We have the opportunity for students to participate in the Washington Leadership Conference, which is a service-based conference in DC. It's uh, four days. We run them throughout the, the summer and we're really excited to go back to DC for this community or for this program and conference this year. 
but students leave there with a community service activity. So they can go home at, and use their own uh, resources to execute this, but to really immerse themselves within their local communities, whether it's a food drive or some a literacy program that they're trying to raise awareness for a local program. So uh, then we, we have several conferences that are really based on, on those opportunities for students to learn. So let me go to that Washington Leadership Conference. It's four days, but you run it, what, seven times? Seven, eight weeks over the summer. Eight weeks over the summer? Wow. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. So how many people do you rotate through that? Do you normally? Oh, know, goodness. I, I don't know off the top of my head. I okay. really know. I think, I think we average about 500 kids a week, if, that, if not more. So you're looking at 4,000, 4,500 people somewhere in that neighborhood? I feel like it's more than that. So I may be shooting really low. No, that's so. all right. That's all right. We won't, we won't hold you accountable for that. And then I know you also have things like your state officer summit, you have New Century Farmer. Yes. Tell me about that. New Century Farmer um, actually is a, an alumni, is an activity based for our alumni group. So our over 21 um, recently retired uh, alumni, I guess you could say. And they have the opportunity. And we also have a, another version of it called the Next Generation Farmers or the Next Generation Conference. They focus on really those those important next steps of your life. Um, how do you do marketing and branding? How do you talk to elected officials? How do you worry about inheritance uh, taxes? If you're inheriting a family farm, where can you find grant money? Uh, you know, those kind of, and trends in the, pardon me, trends in the industry. In our, our next gen conference, which is within my team because it's an ag-based experience, we take those students who aren't necessarily going to be a state officer or a national officer candidate. They're, they're your typical FFA members and provide them with the opportunity to see what life is like. We have one coming up in uh, June in St. Louis and it's based on plant systems. So we'll go tour bear. We'll go to the botanical gardens in St. Louis. We'll take these really, and we'll hopefully get to go tour the turf grass program at uh, Cardinal Stadium at Bush Stadium. So you can see the different industries within plant systems so students can have their eyes open and get a really cool experience and network with like-minded youth and with some HR professionals. And expands the horizon of what the whole industry is. Correct because you know sometimes we think it's just the 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 row crops but there's so much more from even Absolutely. from like HR and marketing to you know um, you know, from research and development to the end consumer, there's so many paths on that value chain and supply chain that being able to expose children to those different or students to those different avenues is, is, is eye-opening for them. And the, and the diversity and the continued growth of the diversity of the suppliers. Correct. We have no. to make sure we're equitable across the board, no. um, opening our industry to anyone who wants to be part of it and don't be and not shy away from, from being um, you know, equitable. And I think that's important. I have done and been fortunate enough to have done uh, a fair amount of work with the American Farm Bureau. And I do a lot of work with their Young Farmers and Ranchers program. And I was told, and it was explained to me, and, and maybe correct me if, if I've got this information wrong, but that whole new century farmer program is kind of similar, if you will, to the young farmers and ranchers because they are your graduates of, of FFA. 
The, the, the ASBF Young, Young Farmers and Ranchers Program is, is amazing. I, I think a lot of our FFA, per, FFA alumni feed into the next level. It gives right. them that camaraderie and gives them that opportunity to continue to learn and have the resources um, that they need as they advance in their career. So we have that new Century Farmer Program, and I know there's a lot of crossover with the membership and uh, attendees. Yeah. But they're, but they're great programs uh, that are available. And I, I will tell you, as someone who has been very fortunate enough to have had, having done that and other youth, uh, youth leadership conferences uh, within the agriculture field, I absolutely love working in that these people are the salt of the earth of this country. And I think more people need to know and understand that and know and understand how hard they work and what they do to be able to put proper food on our table uh, and, and to sustain uh, our way of life, quite frankly. Definitely. I mean, uh, I'm going to, I always mess up the numbers, but, you know, by 2052, when we have to fill, feed 9 billion people, um, we've got a lot of work to do with decreasing resources. One of my favorite stops on the mall during the celebration of ag was um alliance for science had this really cute little um looked like a hippie hodgepodge like volkswagen van but they were talking their theme was modified so it's trying to share the good news of a very controversial topic like gmos and about how important it is that we do modify some some items so we have higher yields and and, and better tasting products but they had two samples. They had a pink pineapple and a papaya. And, you know, there's only 11 GMO crops in the US or in the world. And a papaya is one of them. Um, and the pineapple, this pink pineapple was really sweet. It was, it was delicious. I may have gone over two or three times to try samples, but I loved listening to the educators that were with that booth talk to the general consumers. Um, and that's so important to see somebody who's very, who has a mindset around GMOs and how you slowly, slowly saw their mind shift to, okay, maybe it's not a bad thing as they were listening to these experts talk on the subject. I think our uh, listeners will be surprised to know this next thing. Tell them how many people show up annually in October at your <laughs> convention and expo? We, we, we'd like to say it's a small gathering of about 70,000 people of our <laughs> closest friends and family. But when you think about our general uh, chapter makeup, when we're hitting right around 760,000, we're really only getting to impact and see about eight to nine percent of our, our of our organization's members, uh, but there's always something fun and different going on, and an opportunity to interact with stakeholders and our members and see them compete, see their eyes light up when they see uh, a huge farm implement, or how competitive they can be when they're climbing a rope in our student expo, <laughs> and then the opportunity for them to listen to some workshops and see our teachers get some much needed. Um, professional, not much needed, but some professional development that'll help sustain them for the next year or so in the, you know, throughout their career as well. And some much needed networking time for them, but only 70,000. <laughs> 70 of my closest friends. Uh, 
70,000 of my closest friends. Uh, you're doing a great job of storytelling about a FFA, but the agriculture industry. Why do you think storytelling is so important to, to advocacy success? One of the things I've always, I say I have no talent <laughs> except for the gift of gab. And I think that's the storyteller in me. Uh, maybe it's, I can go back and be philosophical that it's maybe my Native American heritage where we tell stories. I don't know what it is, but it is my gift of gab. Uh, but I think it's important for all of our, um, whether you're an agriculturalist or just uh, a person to connect with people is that storytelling. It brings you in, it gives you a point of reference. It helps develop those relationships. Once those are done, you can throw in some hard facts but it's, it's making those connections with people. So they see you're human. They see you're not trying to force an opinion on them. And then you have that opportunity to grow from there. I love storytelling. I have so many stories that's ridiculous from the different times in my career, but I, I love to see um, the stories that happen throughout our world. And one of the things we teach all of our state and national officers is the art of storytelling, whether it's on social media or when you're with a person, that's the quickest way to connect with your audience by telling a story. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with that more. And your use of humor, even starting that answer, tells us something about storytelling skills. You know, it, 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 re it really does. That, that was great. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you just think of the word advocacy? Support. Say that again. Support. Support. I think it's so important as we advocate that we support whatever we're doing. So if I am advocating for agriculture, I am supporting that industry. And whether that is a literacy activity or going on the hill or just helping out my teachers, we have over 13,000 agriculture education professionals in this country. How can I support them? Because I know in the end, they are advocating for our industry. So I think it's a huge, that, that one term that always comes to mind with advocating or advocacy is at the bottom of it all is support. Uh, no one has ever put it to me that way. I, I love to ask that question of, of everybody. Uh, I'm unique. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're finding that out, uh, <laughs> which is fabulous. Okay, so what are some of the biggest challenges in your job? Is it time, bandwidth, money, all, more? Um, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I think, you know, I'm lucky enough, um, National FFA just released our new strategic plan and we have a whole um, bucket, for lack of a better term, based on agriculture-based experiences. So that's the opportunity for our students to learn more about the industry. So that became part of my new really long-winded title. Um, but with that long-winded title came to support people uh, for, for our teams. So as we look at our international trips that hopefully we get, you know, hopefully we can start uh, doing, which our international trip is a huge literacy, whether it's global literacy or agricultural literacy program. Our two next-gen conferences, eventually we would love to have a next-gen conference for every career technical uh, for all of our uh, pathways within the agriculture career um, cluster, which I think is eight. 
so eight conferences. Bandwidth is always huge. Support is one of those that we definitely need. We want to make opportunities for our students be affordable. And when you look at financial, the financial situation of so many of our students or just so many students in general, having that extra foundational support, we have a wonderful foundation that do a great job providing um, financial resources for us. But the more that they provide, the more affordable we can make activities such as Washington Leadership Conference, our next gen, our ILSSO for our students. Um, I think it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But, you know, right now, from my point of view and working with our students, when it comes to advocating for the industry, it's a lot of misinformation. So just, so, you know, take the the structural side behind it, take my side of it. And then what our students and are, are really dealing with is that how can we combat the misinformation about our industry? So that's a challenge and we need to provide the resources for them to do that. Yeah, and, and, and that will probably always be the challenge. Uh, it may take different forms along the way, but I think it'll probably always be the challenge. I'm glad that you brought up uh, kind of the financial end of it, because I think it's important if there are organizations out there that that believe in what National FFA does, and the foundation does, you have an opportunity to support uh, through your donations uh, an organization like this. So how can people find out more about either how, how to support or just more about National FFA? Oh, it's a great place to start. It's ffa.org. Uh, they have a contact us button at the bottom. If you're an alumni and have lost touch, you can sign up for an alumni newsletter that's free of charge and get reconnected with all the resources that we do offer our alumni between the New, New Century Farmer Program, uh, or um, I think there's some travel discounts somewhere involved uh, by, by being part of our alumni network and being able to mentor young agriculturalists. We have a, a chapter locator, and it's not just financial resources, those are wonderful, but that people resource is also huge. Some of our local chapters are always looking for uh, mentors and looking for industry experts, whether it comes to Maybe they're looking for somebody who knows something around floriculture because they would like to have a floriculture competitive event team. Well, who can I call? Um, so we have a chapter locator on our FFA.org program. There's a foundation tab. There's information about all of our competitive and leadership activities, all of our conferences. Um, our advocacy and literacy page includes our advocacy and lit literacy module, which is our four-step four plan to being a better advocate. Uh, it has all of our conference information. It has more information about National Ag Day. So always, always feel free to visit ffa.org to learn more about the organization. Uh, learn about our wonderful six national officers who hail from Washington to Kentucky to Georgia and back again. So always good to see, um, to, to learn more. And, our, and we have wonderful blog posts on there as well. So you can learn more about what our wonderful students are doing. Well, I would like to add to that, but that was an incredible recap. It was a great way to kind of close out our thoughts on the show. Uh, I'm not sure that there's anything much more to add other than the fact that we could spend a lot of time talking about the diversity of the programming that, that is done uh, by FFA and, and identifying the fact that advocacy has many different stakeholder masters. 
and not just government affairs. And I think that that's a, that's a big point to, to, to get across. Uh, so, Celia, thank you so much for your time today, for the wonderful conversation, for your storytelling ability, uh, and being the fact that you're the advocacy and literacy officer at National FFA. Thank you so much for your time today, and I wish you all the best. Let's face it, today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The RAP Index is the best way to do just that by finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise. Know who your people know. Go to rapindex.com. That's rapindex.com and tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcasts and subscribe to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. A big thank you to today's guest. I appreciate your time and the unwavering passion for advocacy you have. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices in Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective, influential advocate. Now go out and make it a better world. We hope you enjoyed today's Voices in Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices in Advocacy, go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.